This is Cult Scenes K-Pop Unmuted, a podcast dedicated to in-depth discussion of K-Pop. I'm your host, Stephen Knight, and on this episode, we're discussing jazz and K-Pop with our guest, Rodri Thomas. Rodri is a musician, a music enthusiast, and he's one of the hosts of the K-Pop Show podcast. Rodri, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. It's a great milestone in my career. Well, I would think so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're glad to have you. The topic of our show, of course, is jazz and K-pop. And this morning I turned on the K-pop cast podcast, which is another high quality podcast that you sometimes appear on. And I heard you discussing Red Velvet's Bad Boy and maybe some jazz influences on that song. Yeah, it's very true. I've been uh, digging really deep into the rabbit holes of jazz lately. Yeah, on the surface, there seem to be a lot of jazz influences on K-pop. And I think I actually said something about that in our last episode. And I kind of regret it because I'm not sure whether that's true or not. And that's one of the things I'd like to talk about with you on this show is, you know, the apparent influence of jazz on K-pop. Is that sort of a surface thing or is there something deeper going on there? I think generally jazz is deeply influential in pretty much every kind of music. It's sort of what classical became. The early 20th century is sort of when classical music started becoming things like ragtime, and then it sort of evolved into jazz, and then all of the modern stuff you're listening to sort of evolved from jazz, or evolved from something that jazz evolved into, etc. Definitely pop music, I think, because, you know, classical was the pop music for a little while. Then jazz was the pop music for a little while. And then you got like big band swing music that became the pop music for a little while. And then you had pop music that we know today. And so I think K-pop, since it stems from pop, will also have a lot of jazz influence. I'm a jazz fan like you. And when we first started talking about this, I was interested that that one of the first things you said was very similar to my thoughts about jazz and K-pop, which was I often hear references to jazz in a song. And I would think to myself, well, that's not jazz. Or, you know, I mean, if I want to listen to jazz, why don't I listen to good jazz instead of bad jazz in a pop song? Or Yeah, instead of half jazz. Right. The bastard child of some jazz and rock or something. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, jazz is good and pop is good. And is it really worthwhile to put mediocre jazz in a pop song? Maybe that's what's going on. Maybe that's not. But I got the feeling that you had a similar sort of snobby attitude without giving it a lot of thought at the time, I'm sure. Definitely. Yeah. No, I always, I think especially as at least a kid, I I was around a lot of people who really liked classical music and uh, I always felt inferior to them. Like they liked better music than (laughs) I did. And so I always sort of saw jazz as also another kind of like higher music that you only listen to if you really like music or if you can really right. appreciate the finer things in life. And so <laughs> I always thought, well, if I like pop music and I start to hear jazz influence in there, it must be worse jazz than jazz. Like surely this mm-hmm. pop music can't be as good as jazz. But uh, especially over the course of having, you know, my own podcast where I was talking about music all the time and sort of had to dig deeper just because I kept looking deeper. I started to discover that pop music actually has a lot of really complicated composition in it. But I still, until really recently, like when I was doing research for this, I had never thought the jazz that I hear in pop music, surely that's still just not as good as jazz jazz. Like the right. Jazz that is just jazz. But uh, I've kind of started to change my mind a little bit. Well, I'm interested to hear 
more about that. But maybe we ought to take a step back and address the really difficult question that sort of precedes that, which is what is jazz? You know, how do we know whether we're listening to jazz or not when we listen to a pop song? Jazz can be defined a lot of ways. The question we've got here is, is something jazz just because it reminds you of other things that are jazz? And to answer that question, you'll want to use three traditional elements of jazz to judge by. They are syncopation and or swing, blue notes, and improv. Number one is syncopation and or swing. This refers to jazz's rhythmic structure. Most music is broken into patterns of four beats. Syncopation is when you play important parts of the pattern on the beats that are considered weaker. So the ones that aren't the first one, basically. Your brain naturally pays more attention to the strange-sounding musical moments, which is why syncopation works. When syncopation is used correctly, it can create moments that make you want to tap your foot or bob your head and all of that. You know, whatever, whatever you do. An easy example of this is Nobody by the Wonder Girls. Clap sounds happen on the second and fourth beat in the pattern. Syncopation. Swing is similar to syncopation, only instead of just placing emphasis on weak beats, you're actually changing the location of the beats in the four-beat pattern. You might make the first beat really long so that the second one comes in a little later than usual. Or you might do that to the second or the third, etc. Or you might, you know play the fourth one right before it's supposed to so there's this extra space right before you get done with the pattern and move back to the first beat in most cases the four beat pattern is actually broken down into an eight beat pattern by dividing each beat of the four by two and then lengthening one of those see swing is like super mathematical it's kind of obnoxious the rest of these are easy blue notes and improv both much simpler than syncopation and swing so blue notes in every scale there are notes that define it like guidelines and a c major scale for instance has all of the white keys on the keyboard but in between those notes are black keys any black key in a c major scale is a blue note if you use one or two of these blue notes in a chord or a scale or just some melodic run you're probably not doing anything too jazzy but if you find creative excuses to play a lot of them you are definitely in jazz territory Take this improvised melody from John Coltrane's recording of My Favorite Things, for example. You'll hear the classic melody, and you'll hear him use a whole lot of blue notes to change it up and make it seem more. And that is, that is what jazz does perfectly. Speaking of improvised melodies, number three is improv. This is super easy to explain. It's when you play things that you haven't planned. Usually in jazz, you'll prepare like chord sheets or something ahead of time to make it easier on your fellow performers to know how long you plan to improvise. In some cases, especially if the group performing is small enough, the soloist will actually use visual cues to let the others know when to pick things up and step back in, that their solo is done, you know, or move to the next solo. It's really cool to watch stuff like that happen. A good way to see that is if you get a collection of recordings that somebody has done at a particular studio, a lot of times you'll see 
more than one take of the same song from the recording session. And one can be 11 minutes, one might be eight minutes. You know, I mean, improvisation is so important that the songs are not even remotely the same length the next time they're played. Yeah. That's not going to happen in K-pop. That's very true, which is at once a shame, but also just fine because... As long as something mimics improvisation in a in a way, mm-hmm. um, which we'll play some examples of later, it's still I think it counts as jazzy because jazzy is like reminiscent of jazz rather than actually being jazz. It doesn't have to be jazz to be jazzy because jazzy is a word you use to describe something that reminds you of jazz. This improv thing is what makes jazz so cool. You can technically write a bunch of blue notes into something. You can move around your beats so that you technically have swing. But what jazz really is made of is making things up as you go. And that's jazz. You've got improv, syncopation, and blue notes. All right, well, let's start with the first element, syncopation or swing. And actually, probably my favorite K-pop album is very jazz-influenced. It's Brown Eyed Girl's Sixth Sense. And the intro to that album is called Swing It Shorty. being a trained musician. I mean, it sounds like swing to me, but Rodri, what do you what do you think of that intro? Is that swing? That is definitely a swing beat, a swung beat. You've got a beat that has moved the the pattern around in such a way that instead of a dun 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 dun, you've got a dun 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 dun. It's a different way to do the same pattern. It's swung. It's swing. Now there's some songs that we've talked about that don't as obviously reference jazz. I think Swing It Shorty is pretty clearly intended to reference jazz. Definitely. But there's some other people that you wouldn't necessarily think of as jazz that also exemplify syncopation or swing. Do you want to start with Crush? Crush. Crush is really great for jazzy kind of K-pop. I really like his stuff. He's got a song called Sometimes that is like insane swing. You've got this pattern of like what is the beat and at the beginning of it it goes a couple of uh, intro beats i can't remember what those are called but it, like the dun, dun, dun. when it starts that dun, right at the beginning that's when the pattern begins if you listen closely you may need you know pretty good headphones to hear this but the bass line there's like this slap bass guitar sound down at the bottom yeah there's a little beat that happens right after that it hits the slap bass guitar, and then there's like another little sound in there. That sound is a perfect example of adding into a normal, basic, like, four-point pattern an extra little slot, and they fill out the beat really well and create that swing feeling that just makes you want to, like, bob your head and, like, become part of the music a little more, which I think is a reaction to your brain 
paying more attention to the craziness of an offbeat and, you know, demanding that you participate. All right. So that's syncopation and swing. And then we have the blue notes. Now, blue notes and jazz chords are related, but not the same thing. Oh, so blue notes are what make jazz chords. Right. Blue notes are why we have crazy sounding jazz chords. They're just notes that don't belong in a scale, but that if you, you know, if you work them in in the right way, can make something sound awesome. I think one of the best examples, or at least one of the most popular ones, will uh, people will recognize from NCT's song Running to You. The song starts, you know, just fine. It's pretty normal. But during the chorus, it's all instrumental, and they do this thing with the notes where all of the singing stops, and then they play these notes that are in a scale that does not match the normal scale, like the scale that they were just singing in. You're immediately taken to a different part of a different song, basically, and it's just like thrown in there. That's a good example of blue notes. Another good example that I really like, this will be a little less known, but Zico has a song called Well Done. One of his older songs, I don't even know if his solo career was really like a thing at this point. He's obviously pretty prolific now. He's got a lot of lot of songs out, but this was one of his first ones back in 2015 called Well Done. And he's got this sample he plays with a guy singing Dark Star Crashes. And that sample is actually not in any particular key. The notes in it are so weird that I mean, it's only like three notes or something, but like they don't match with each other. So a great example of using blue notes right up front, just starting your song that way with kind of a denial of tonal consistency, if you will. Because it's a rap song, if there is any genre of music that is like directly jazz's baby, or maybe grandbaby after R&B, hip-hop came from R&B, which definitely came from jazz. So rap works really well with jazz, I think. Anyway, because it's a rap song and there's not a lot of singing going on, He's able to work with these dissonant notes really well. But a lot of the samples in there play really crazy notes, and there's actually some really weird chords on the guitar, but they all work together. Yeah, what about those horns? They sound kind of like they're slightly out of tune, or like those are some beat-up horns. Is that an example of a blue note? You know... It is a perfect example of a blue note. I, I don't know why I didn't talk about them. I completely forgot there were even horns, to be honest. I was like looking at the song and I was so excited about this like vocal sample and the weird guitar chords. Those horns are definitely blue notes. It's like everything in this song is just blue notes only. Mm-hmm. This is a great example of blue notes. The more I think about it, the more that is so true. So the next element and the last of the elements we're going to discuss is improvisation. And a lot of the things that I've seen and listened to emphasize improvisation as this is really the thing that separates jazz from other forms of music. 
And I have to say, I was kind of disappointed running across that the first few times, because as you mentioned earlier, you know, one of the first things you think of when you think about improvisation and jazz is a jazz solo. And so I imagined, you know, a big band and the horn solo and the horn players improvising like crazy. And then the solo finishes and they go back to the song. And I'm thinking, well, what if they didn't have the solo? Is that, is it, that wouldn't be jazz or, you know, is the rest of the song not jazz and just that solo? Good question, actually. Huh. It was also a little bit unsatisfying because you can improvise in other forms of music. Yeah. In classical music, you can improvise. You know, Mozart was famous for his ability to improvise and seems like I've heard stories about Bach and so on. Well, and I can't remember what it's called, but there's actually a notation made where a composer will basically leave a few measures blank and say to whoever the soloist is in a piece, hey, just uh, do whatever you want right here. Well, there you go. So thinking about it and looking into it some, I think that one thing that is different about jazz is there's more of an opportunity for interactive improvisation for more than one person improvising. Yeah. So one way I think of it is that with jazz, there's there's kind of this implicit song or the sheet music version of the song that's sort of notional. It's not necessarily what you're hearing. And that's one reason I think that the Coltrane song, Favorite Things, is a really good example to use for this because people know that song well enough that you can sort of compare the song with what you're hearing and you're, you have two things going on at once. And I was thinking about using, I'm glad you used the Coltrane. I think that's better, but I was thinking about using like Aretha Franklin singing Happy Birthday or something like that as an example of <laughs> improvisation and things that sound jazzy. Maybe we could use uh, Fergie's national anthem. Well, that's his example. (laughs) A lot of unexpected notes in that. Unpleasant example. (laughs) Right. But that's the thing. You have a very familiar (laughs) melody and somebody plays around with it and it makes it sound jazz. Really all she was doing was singing jazz. Yeah. Who knew? But maybe we have some better examples of improvisation in K-pop that we could talk about. I think I was mentioning this at the beginning. But I kind of suspect that most of K-pop's improv moments are very well practiced. Like kind of, I don't want to use the word staged because that implies a lot more as well, but staged. Like they were planned in advance. All of the notes you're hearing are notes that they knew were going to be there the whole time. But if something sounds like people were experimenting with different ways to play something or whatever... You know, I I think that counts as improv. If it reminds you of improv, it's jazzy. We've got a few examples here that will definitely illustrate the point. The best to use to begin with is TVXQ's song, Something. It reminds you of like a big band jazz, sort of mixed with like a hip hop beat. But there is an actual really jazzy breakdown after the bridge. Or maybe that is the bridge. I can't remember. There's like this jazz guitar solo, and then there's this trombone solo that comes in right after. And, you know, Max and Yuno are not playing the trumpet and guitar here. What? This is not them. This is not their music. Yeah, I'm sorry. Star Steven. Uh, it's still, it's like improv, and it's jazz. It's jazzy. Yeah, well, I think, how could, how could you ever, I mean, 
I guess theoretically, but how could you ever write that down, right? At some point in the process, exactly. somebody improvised that to some degree. Yeah. Like it, it stemmed from improv. Maybe they were like in the studio recording it the same way every time, a few times to get it right. Mm -hmm. But it's definitely improvisational. You wanted to do something with Girls' Generation, Genie? Yeah. I feel like I'm familiar with that song, but I was also really curious as to why you... Oh, Roderick, please don't admit that you're not familiar with Girls' Generation's Genie. Just let's play it off. <laughs> no, I said I was familiar with it. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Seemed unsure. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I thought I was sure until you put it in our improv section, and I'm like, wait, what part of that song was improv? So uh, Now I follow you. I'm interested to hear this. Not that I doubt you. I just, I'm curious. Well, so that song occurred to me because when we're talking about whether there's improvisation in K-pop, there's literally something called ad-libs, which should mean improvised singing. And the queen of ad-libs, as I'm sure you know, is Jessica <laughs> Young from Girls' Generation. As everybody knows. Yes. <laughs> and so this is, they call it the demo track. I don't think Girls' Generation would have recorded their own demo track. But in any case, this is what is known as the demo track of Girls' Generation Genie, where you can hear her ad-libs a little better. <laughs> like at some point in the process, whether it's the actual demo or whether you're in the recording studio and you give Jessica a microphone and say, sing something over the back of this, and you just try it over and over again until you get something you like. They're supposed to be improvised. They kind of sound like they're improvised. And I think at some point in the process, a lot of them probably are improvised. I agree with that, actually. Now I know what you're talking about. I am uh, on board. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I still don't know if I have enough information to conclude that Jessica is the queen of ad-libs, but... Uh, she is. <laughs> she is. Okay. Yeah, we'll just accept your word. It is known. All right. So we've worked through the three elements of what makes something jazzy. And I thought we might take a look at just a few songs that are some of the first songs that would pop into somebody's mind when they think about a jazzy K-pop song and, and see what we think about that. And I think probably the first group that people would think of, or one of the first groups, would be Mamamoo. Definitely. Piano Man, early song of theirs, certainly has a jazz concept. What do you think about that as a jazzy song, Rodri? I am of the opinion that Piano Man is pretty jazzy. Yeah? Especially right at the beginning. You'll notice they actually kind of mess with the rhythm of the intro a little bit. So they got like the piano line. da 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 they kind of cut out a little earlier than you'd expect and then jump in with this chord a little earlier than you'd expect. Mm -hmm. And then I think they keep to the same like four beat pattern, but because of the way they play it, it actually makes it seem like they don't. And the reason I say I think they do is because once it starts playing in the actual song, they're definitely in a four-beat rhythm. But right there at the beginning, there's like a gray area where you're kind of not sure. And that can only be created by a jazzy rhythm. I also noticed they have 
sort of scatty vocals yeah. in there, which even if not improvised is a jazzy faux improvisational element. And I guess Mamamoo, in a lot of their songs, you would say their vocals are jazzy just because they're not so wedded to coming in at exactly the right time or, you know, they'll hold out the note or, you know, they're a little looser. Well put. Yeah. They're not wedded to it. I like that. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's definitely true. And I think the way they sing is uh, a lot like kind of a jazz singer-esque way of singing where it's very strong and lots of vibrato. Right. I think that's kind of why they're known as a jazzy K-pop group. And the instrumentation they use is often jazz-inspired. All right, well, let's take a look at a different kind of jazz concept anyway. And another one I think a lot of people would think of is IU. There's several to choose from, but her Red Shoes is a big band concept. I even found a live performance where she had a whole big band orchestra behind her, really? uh, you know, miming along to <laughs> to the song. Oh, I got to look at that. To me, it sounds really jazzy. It has sort of a cotton club kind of percussion at the very start of it. And they've got, are those called muted trumpets? They've got that very distinct trumpet sound. I know that there's like six kind of mutes you can put on a trumpet. So yeah. I don't know what the name is, but yeah, what you're saying is correct. They are affected trumpets. Right. And then she also has a little bit of the scooby-doo-bop in her vocals, too. Definitely, yeah. She's actually got a lot of that in most of her albums, which is really cool. In fact, I think the album, that the Red Shoes album, it's not called Red Shoes, it's called Modern Times. It reminds me of, like, if Michael Buble were a Korean girl, that is what his album would sound like. Like, it just sounds very Buble-esque, like sort of a, a pop jazz, maybe a little more with emphasis on, like, a Spanish guitar kind of sound. A lot of the songs on the album have that. Yeah. But it is a very jazzy album, and Red Shoes is a very jazzy song. Okay, now one song that I'm really eager to ask you about when we were looking around for Blue Notes. For some reason, this song came to mind, and it's not a jazz concept at all. The instrumentation is not jazzy at all. But to me, there's a lot of dissonance in it and sour notes, and I just was really curious about your take on Orange Caramel's Bubble Bath. Yeah, I uh, was really interested by this one, actually. And I like that there's not like a typical, there's no jazz concept, like there's no hints that it's a jazz song. Not that they probably intended it to sound like a jazz song because they didn't use any instrumentation that way or anything like that. But yeah, it has a lot of crazy notes in it, a lot of blue notes. The biggest example, it's in a uh, C-sharp minor key, which, pretty crazy key, which is kind of cool. But there's an F note on their like main, there's like a synth that kind of plays it up at the front of the mix. There's an F note on that that is like one of the most prominent sounds in the in the song, or at least in the instrumental track, that is a blue note. That's a note that doesn't belong in the key. And it's like played over and over again throughout. So really interesting as far as the music, 
And I think it's a good example of songs that can be jazzy without without reminding everybody of jazz. Like Red Shoes, everybody's going to say, oh yeah, that's pretty jazzy. But uh, not everybody's going to listen to Orange Caramel and know that there's some influence from jazz in that song. I think another one you brought up was uh, another TVXQ song, actually. Spellbound from their same album, I believe. I think Spellbound was on the like the repackage of their uh, 10 Years album, which had something on it as the main single. Spellbound is probably less jazzy than something. That one actually brings to mind the question you posed earlier with like, if there's no improv moment in a big band song and there's not like a super distinctly swingy beat, is that even jazz? Like what if they're, what if they can play using all the same instruments and all of the same like stuff we're used to from jazz Mm -hmm. and then not actually be jazz? I think it's still jazzy. I think the instrumentation might make you think of jazz. So to that extent, it might be jazzy, but the jazz influence would be very minimal, I think. Yeah, I think it's important to know when there's a lot of jazz influence and when something is just meant to remind you of jazz. And I think Spellbound is a good example of a song that doesn't have a ton of jazz influence in it. But, you know, if somebody said it was jazzy, you couldn't really correct them and say, no, it's not. (laughs) And, you know, get on my high horse like I used to. I think, you know, as long as it reminds you of jazz, I mean, the reason we call jazz jazz in the first place is because we listen to jazz and we think that's jazz. Well, let me get on a little bit higher horse than you. Okay. And my conclusion would be, I I basically agree with you, but I think I'm a little maybe pickier in, in what I call jazz. I was talking with Scott Entrante online about this, who's the, you know, the founder of the show and was the expert. And now he's left me here <laughs> with no music expert. So I have to bring on guests like you to talk to. <laughs> but I told him we were doing a jazz episode just to, you know, if there's something I need to know, tell me before I do the jazz episode and not after we do the jazz episode. And I told him that, you know, my impression was that the jazz influence on K-pop was mostly concept and instrumentation more so than the musical elements. And He kind of agreed, but put it a lot better. He said that there are a lot of songs that use jazz elements as a sonic signifier or reference, you know, so they're, I mean, they are actual jazz elements and they're meant to make you think of jazz. And it's not surprising that we wouldn't call them jazz because if it was jazz, we'd just be listening to jazz and we wouldn't be calling it K-pop. That's probably fits into your use of jazzy. Yeah. I mean, I definitely agree that When you're talking terms of less jazz influence and more jazz influence, and maybe if I'm interpreting what he was saying there correctly, there are times when people will use sonic signifiers of jazz, the instrumentation, for example, to remind us of jazz when there's actually nothing jazzy about it. I think that's possible, but I'm also kind of torn between the opinion that that's possible and also anything that sounds jazzy actually is jazzy because we've decided it sounds jazzy. Yeah, well, I would put it a little differently and just say that's maybe the definition of jazzy. It's not jazz, but it's jazzy if it uses an element of jazz and references jazz. I think you can fairly call that jazzy. So one more one more song that I really wanted to talk about. I don't know if you have many more, but Jazz Club by Boa. Yeah, I was really curious to see what you what you thought about that one. I uh, 
actually don't like the song very much. Yeah. I'm really glad it didn't make it onto her new mini album because now I don't have to listen to it on repeat very often. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's Japanese language, so I'm guessing it was a separate release and it wouldn't oh, that's be right, huh? I totally eligible forgot for that. that. Yeah. But it's BOA, so it's K-pop. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I think that that almost epitomizes you know, what I was saying about using the elements without being jazz. You couldn't have a song that's more explicitly referencing jazz. You know, I mean, the music video yeah. presumably Pretty takes place obvious. in Harlem and she goes to this imaginary jazz club, the likes of which I'm sure does not exist anywhere. And usually the instrumentation will sound acoustic. It, it, it didn't really sound that acoustic, but there were horn samples and things like that. But what really stood out to me as far as jazz versus jazzy was actually the scatting. You're absolutely certain that it's not improvised because she does it twice in a row, exactly the same, <laughs> and it exactly follows the piano that's playing underneath it. So it's as clear a reference to jazz as you could get without being actual improvisation. True. Yeah. If I were to call a song that referenced jazz a lot, not jazzy, it would probably be that one. Yeah. I didn't listen to it very much, so I don't really know what I'm talking about here. But as a non-expert on the jazz club by Boa, I would say it is probably as little jazzy as a jazzy song can be. All right, Rodri, let's move on to our K-pop unmuted picks. This is where we pick a song that we've been thinking about or that we particularly like and that we'd like to talk about. It's been a while since we've done that because we had our two awards shows. But what's a song that you have been thinking about recently? So I've been listening to a lot of Boa, her new album been listening to a lot of IU in anticipation of this show because I love IU and she's super jazzy. But I think if there's a song I really want people to know about that they probably missed, it's the song called The Snowman by Jung Sung Hwan, who is under the label Antenna. One of my favorite labels. What a surprise, Rodri. I know, right? Why is all this good music coming out of the same label? But uh, I really like Lee Jin Ah. I'm a new, new fan of her. There's been some other... Isn't Sam Kim there? He's a big favorite of yours. Sam Kim is probably one of my favorite probably top five musicians right now and yep he is antenna as well i just end up loving everything antenna does thank you antenna for existing uh, but jung sung Hwan, i loved his little uh, mini album he came out with there's like five songs on it all of them are like so relaxing and great i love his voice i like the way he sings i like the uh, music that he picks for the backtrack and now he has a full album out 10 new songs that i haven't actually gotten to listen to yet and i'm so excited about one of them is the snowman which he released as a single beforehand, which is why I know about that one. And it is just beautiful. There is this moment at the end where everything sort of ramps up and he starts like belting and it is so like powerful. I love listening to that. There's like a whole minute and a half of just like powerhouse singing going on. And I want everybody in this world to experience it. So go listen to The Snowman by Jung Sung Hwan.
country. It's not my kind of song. I'm not a Sam Kim fan either. So, which just shows your bad taste, I think. Is perhaps really what that... our our tastes diverge a bit. Um, <laughs> but one thing I will say about the song that I'm sure is great is the lyrics because they were written by IU. I did not know that. Yeah. So I don't know what they are, but just take my word for it. They're probably great. And I don't know how Antenna Music got IU to write lyrics for one of their songs, but... Well, she uh, did get Sam Kim to write one of her songs. So uh, maybe, maybe it's it was just a... an IU and Antenna. Good musicians all gather together. That's what this means. Okay. You know? <laughs> IU thinks Sam Kim is good, Stephen. Well, yes. I'll have to reflect. <laughs> reflect. Perfect. That's all I can ask. All right. All right. Well, my pick is a very similar song. Probably not many people have heard of it. Momo Land's Boom Boom. Now, I'm so... Was that a joke? Uh, that's a joke. Okay. <laughs> I was like, are you serious? That's like all I saw on Twitter for like two weeks. I know. I know. <laughs> and I'm, I'm really hesitant to pick the song because I think maybe people are tired of hearing about it or they think that everything's been said about it, but I just can't pass up the opportunity. And I know it's been out a while, but... As a crayon pop fan, I want to address Momoland. Do not try to replicate the viral success of this song. This song, to me, I love it, but it walks a very fine line. I don't know how they pulled this off <laughs> because the different concepts and the different sounds that they put together and make it work is crazy. So they, the overall concept, of course, is like a quirky, cute kind of concept and you've got Jewie's dance and all that kind of stuff but they also mix into the song the dab which is not the first time that momo land has had a dab in one of their songs the tone of it is perfect it's not swaggy you know on the one hand and super serious but it's not goofy and silly on the other hand it's just so matter of fact, you know, it's almost deadpan. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, everybody has to know when to hit it. So just, I'm just going to tell you, hit it, hit it. <laughs> this is your warning. It works great. And then along similar lines, they've got that rap break. You know, my favorite part of that song is right at the beginning of the rap break or kind of at the beginning, whenever they say, yeah. <laughs> right. I love that. Right. Oh, Gets me every time. That's such a rap trope, but it it's so different from any they just time you've it ever heard so that before. Good. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. How did they do that? Because it's not like a show me the money kind of rap cosplay kind of thing. It's not yeah. like a gag concert silly kind of thing. It's just... Yeah, like, I'm really impressed with what they pulled off with that song. Yeah. Because, yeah, that yeah. like, stuff like that rap break just does not belong in Momo Land's discography. Or at least, you know, I mean, it obviously does, because look, here it is, and it's so great. But that's not even the end of it, though, Rodri. You might have thought there couldn't fit anything more into this song. But they transitioned into, like, a sexy concept in the bridge. Ooh, true. And, and they've got that member who's obviously in charge of sexiness, who has that, you know, she pulls her shirt out at the bottom and looks meaningfully at the camera and <laughs> that fits it. <laughs> right? Yeah. And then, and then they have the whole group there and they sort of have this girls generation sexy concept, like sort of the hoot run devil run thing after that, during the chorus, yeah. after that bridge. Mama, 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 
go back to the quirky cute stuff and it just all fits together and the tone of it is all perfect and it's just fun but it's not you know the problem with crayon pop they tried to recreate the magic of bar 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 and they kind of you know they put out some great songs after that but they kind of became a novelty act and i really hope that momoland can stay quirky but not fall for that trap me too i want more of the i want more baboom baboom yeah boom really boom boom Right, Rodri, thank you so much for joining us on this show. This has been a lot of fun. If people want to get in touch with you, of course, we've got the K-pop show. That's not a highly active show right now, but I recommend that people subscribe to that. And when you guys start pushing out episodes again, then they'll start showing up in their podcast catcher. But in the meantime, where's a good place for people to follow you and see what you're up to? I'm on Twitter, primarily. Rodri, Rodri, just my name twice. R-H-O-D-R-I, R-H-O-D-R-I. And yeah, I'm just like reading and tweeting, reading and tweeting on Twitter. That's what we so do. That's where you can find me. Easiest way. On Twitter, I am Tennessee. I'm at Tennessee Appeal. You guys probably know the at part of that. You can also follow us at Cult Scene with a K and at K-Pop Unmuted. And you can also visit Cult Scene for this podcast and more great K-Pop coverage. If you like the podcast, please subscribe in your Google Play, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a rating or review. We appreciate that. And thank you for listening.